I think Apple should bring touch to the Mac. And that post iPhone era, any screen that doesn't respond to touch is just gonna feel hella broken. John Gruber of Daring Fireball and the talk show fame though, thinks Mac OS and Mac hardware just aren't optimized for touch and adding it would only make the Mac worse. So we're gonna argue about it and we're gonna do it right now. Sponsored by CuriosityStream. Right after WWDC, when people saw the new uh, design for Mac OS Big Sur, you had all of these, I don't wanna call them conspiracy the theories. They, some of them were more cockamamie than others, but I feel like people really saw what they wanted to see. Some people saw, oh, they got rid of all the sharp edges. It's all curved now. It's just gotta be a precursor for Apple's reality operating system, you know, cause you don't want sharp edges in VR. And other people are like, oh, but look at the spacing. They made everything more spaced out. That's gotta be for touchscreens because you don't want a cramped interface for touchscreens. Part of it is bias where I kind of, I don't want Apple to do it uh, because there's two ways to do it. The one way to do it would be to keep the Mac UI looking and spaced and sized the way that it currently is and just add touch to it. But which would mean that there's all sorts of buttons and controls on the Mac. I'm just looking at my screen right now as I talk to you and looking Same. at all the things that are way too small to touch. My favorite example, because everybody knows what they are, are the red, yellow, green buttons in the upper left corner of every window for closing, minimizing, and zooming a window. Yeah those red, yellow, green buttons are A, too small, but B, way too close to each other. Yes. Like try to imagine looking at your screen. If you're sitting here thinking, no, 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 they'll just, they'll add touch. Well, try to imagine touching that yellow button and making sure you don't touch the green one or the red one. And touching the wrong one would be really bad, especially if you touch the green one and close it, right? It's like, you don't, I just wanted to minimize it to the dock and all of a sudden it, I've closed the window. And so then to make it touch friendly, you'd have to make those buttons much bigger, but way more spaced apart. And then you're eating into the space for all this. There's this, it's, I was going to say information density, but it's UI yeah. density. You know, that's the way it works. That's the way it works on Windows with touch. But it took them years to get there. Like it was like three year walk in the desert from Windows right. 8 to Windows 10, where it was horrible, 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 and now partially usable. Right. And, you know, the other way to do it, which would be the more Apple way to do it, would be to redo the entire user interface from corner to corner, from the end to end of the entire stack to make everything touch friendly. Uh, and in my opinion, if they did that, it would make it not so much mouse unfriendly as it would just really reduce the UI density that's possible. And that's why we have two different devices, right? And people say, well, well the wait, they added the, the mouse pointer support to iPad OS and nobody, you know, that didn't ruin anything. But it's like, it's like a one-way street. Like you can add mouse pointer support to an OS that is spaced and sized primarily for touch without taking away from touch and you're just adding to it. Whereas to add touch support to an OS that's spaced and sized for mouse pointer precision, you, yes. you either have to have all these things that aren't touch friendly or take away that information density, you know? And why, why would you do that when you already have, if that's what you want, there already is iPad OS. There are some other factors like Apple keeps saying, 
we don't believe that the Mac is well-suited for touchscreens. You know, Phil Schiller has said it. Craig Federighi has said it. I'm sure if you polled Apple's senior executive team, they would all say that. And they're not just speaking off the cuff. They've actually built, I think they've even said that in an interview, they've actually built them and tried them and just felt that they were less than ideal. But the pushback on that is that Apple will famously say no to everything until they're ready to ship it. Like Steve Jobs said, no video right. on an iPod. We're never making right. a phone, no small tablets, you know, and, and, and then right. they shipped all of those things. So I think taking Apple at just what they say is sometimes they're not ready to talk about it. But I think what you're talking about, the practical aspects are the more important ones here. Right. There's the difference between... That's a good idea, but we can't do it yet. So we're going, to, we're, we're not going to tr try to get you excited about it because you can't buy it or do it yet. And then there are things that are just bad ideas, right? And I think people, it, it's hard for people to see that, right? Like at, at the highest level, touchscreen, uh, adding a touchscreen sounds like it's just adding. So it has to be better, right? Like having a Mac that does everything a Mac does and then just adding a touchscreen has to be better. Um, you really have to get into the details and think about what it would mean uh, all the way down the software stack to see how it maybe wouldn't be a great idea. So other devil's advocate uh, point of view is that we also now have iPad and iPhone apps running on M1 Apple Silicon Macs. And it seems like an unnecessary step in some ways because they spent a bunch of time building out Catalyst, like from the really bad early beta apps to really functional apps like Messages Now, full support for developers. And maybe it's to sort of make up for the lack of Windows apps. You can't do bootcamp, you can't do virtualization yet, but they have a whole iPad, iPhone story. But other people look at them and say, like you famously trying to pick Xfinity on your on your uh, HBO Max app that is it's just not functional with a traditional mouse and pointer system. You know, the adding iOS apps to uh, the adding the ability to just double click an iOS app on an M1 based Mac is the surest not sure sign, but the best sign that maybe they are thinking about touchscreen apps, right? Like my, my antip antipathy towards touchscreen Macs isn't me saying, I think they're like, I'm not betting that they're never going to do it. Yeah. Um, I'm just saying it's not easy. At the very least, the short version of my take is that it is not easy and the way to do it isn't right, isn't obvious. Um, the fact that they're committed to letting iOS apps just run on the Mac is certainly a sign that maybe they are thinking about it. But even there, right, and the idea is that there are certain apps and games and stuff like that where um, if you don't have touch, they don't work right or don't feel yeah. right. Um, and they have these weird, what do they call them, touch equivalents, like a way yes. to sort of split the mouse in two with your finger, two fingers on the trackpad makes two touch points in the app um, because some apps just assume you can touch two things at once to pinch yeah. and zoom or, or whatever. Um but even if they added a touchscreen to the Mac, it's like running a little iPhone-sized window in the middle of your Mac, even if it lets you poke at it, isn't the same thing as actually touching a phone, right? It's, it's, not, it's not the same at all. It, it seems more like the sort of decision that other companies tend to make. We'll, let's do it because we can, not because we should, right?
what's yeah. the what's the movie line you you could do it you didn't stop and think about whether you should do it or not right right yeah. but i think that's part of the i don't want to say the conspiracy theory again but like apple is in some ways trained us to now look at 3d 4d chess moves where you know they don't talk about apple silicon but they deprecate 32-bit apps they move to a new file system they release swift they release swift ui they start doing the, the catalyst apps and slowly but surely you get to a point where they announce apple silicon max and all this previous years of work and a lot of the pain that we went through suddenly has a purpose. And I think some people are looking at the new graphic design, looking at the iOS apps and wondering if it's the same thing, if we're being slowly herded into a future where almost like how the iPad, you know, got the keyboard, it got the pencil, it got the rudimentary cursor support, and now it has full-on cursor support if we're sort of being led down that path again when it comes to the Mac. It is true that, you know, the way that you program a widget for your tiny little phone, like your iPhone 12 mini, or a widget that is running on your 32-inch Pro Display XDR over on yeah. the right side of the window, it's the same SwiftUI widget thing, um, widget APIs. And so, yeah, of course, they do kind of look more like they're ready for touch. But what do you do with the widgets right now? You don't really touch in a very no, fine yeah. way. You just sort of zip them aside, you know, or just flick them, you know. So, yeah. Or jab them and go to the app. Right. 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 You just stab at it. Yeah. <laughs> Click anywhere. They're just giant buttons. <laughs> right. uh, the other sort of big thing, though, is that Apple heralded in this whole capacitive multi-touch revolution where we had those tiny styluses, those resistive displays, and they were Steve Jobs' yuck. Um, and now we have all of these touch displays and a generation of, of kids have grown up being touch first, touch native, where they, they used to iPhones, they're used to iPads, and they just think that displays are to be touched. Yeah, I've seen that argument too. And who knows? I don't, I don't know. I mean, maybe there, I mean, there's certainly some merit to it, but I also feel though that the argument that four-year-olds assume all screens are touch screens isn't it, it's an interesting observation and I, I'm sure it's true. Uh, I <laughs> well, don't except for think televisions, it's a, that's the big obvious exception. Well, but they well they yeah. say that, you know, and they're like they even go up and touch yes. the TV. And I'm like, well, <laughs> keep your kids out of my house. <laughs> my nano texture TV. <laughs> <laughs> don't your kids not coming in. Yeah, your kid's not allowed in my living room. Uh, that's not an argument to make them touch screens, though, <laughs> right? Just because for you know little kids think it is, it's you know it's time for them to learn. You don't design everything; shouldn't be designed for the assumptions of a four-year-old. Uh, I mean, and I'm not trying to be dismissive. Like, if anything, I, I'm even before I had uh, a son, I've always thought that there's some switch that goes off in a lot of adults. At some point, they pass from childhood to adulthood, and a, a switch goes off, and they think kids are stupid. And I'm like, I, I've never lost that. That it's like, no, kids just don't have knowledge and don't have experience, but their brains yeah. work, if anything, better, right? Because they're not shackled by assumptions. So I'm not dismissing the fact. I think it's certainly worth noting that in today's world, all kids growing up think that all screens are touchscreens. But still, that's not, to me, a compelling argument that they should be touchscreens. 
right? Like, why not just teach them, oh, well, this one's different. And you see how there's all these little things and you have on, on this device, you have to use this layer of abstraction to move a mouse pointer around. So last, my last ditch effort to try to get a bargain in here, what do you think about the idea of adding Apple Pencil support to the Mac for people who might want to just look at a next generation iMac as a giant uh, canvas to do all their design work or artwork on? You, well, you, you asked the best questions, Renee. This is a very well-structured <laughs> set of questions. Uh, I think the pencil is an interesting idea. And part of it is that the pencil is precise, like a mouse pointer, unlike a big fat fingertip. Yeah. Uh, so I think a pencil, direct pencil support on a Mac screen wouldn't require any of the UI element sizing or spacing things I'm talking about with touch. But on the other hand, there's a huge ergonomic in- problem where even a tilted back MacBook screen isn't really at a comfortable angle for a lot of pencil work. Uh, you know, so to me, it would be like an angle of use type issue. Um, but the other reason it's interesting to think about the pencil is to think about like, I don't know. I, I've been trying to make this argument so many times, and I feel like I'm always falling a little short because it requires accepting these fuzzy arguments that you mm-hmm. can't really prove what's a touch-friendly button. You know, it's yeah. you, you just know it when you see it, and it's a feel of it. Um, and, and that Apple doesn't like to make things that aren't optimized for the method of interaction, right? So the whole iPhone originally was entirely touch-based. That's why, you know, yeah. there was no mouse pointer support at all. And there was nothing, not one single thing on the entire iPhone that wasn't a touch-friendly size and target. Maybe the only thing that wasn't was text for selecting text, but you couldn't copy and paste it first on the iPhone yes. either, right? So it was no. like, rather than have fiddly text selection they were like, it'd be better to have none. Like that's how committed they are to only having interaction and design elements that are suited for the interaction model. They're so committed to it that they spent like three years shipping a phone that you couldn't copy and paste on because they didn't have a good way to do it on touch. Ken was busy. He had to make a keyboard. He had to make an app store. There was only one man. So could they do that with the Mac? I, I I think so. I think the biggest problem isn't the interface. I I think the biggest problem is literally the ergonomics of getting the screen at the right angle. Well, I mean, they made a concerted effort a couple of years ago, especially with the iPad, a little bit with the iPhone, to say that every mode of input should be maybe not equal, but should be supported just as an accessibility feature. I think that's why we started seeing it in accessibility. Like voice, that's why we got voice control because you needed to have a fully functional interface for voice. And we got the better pencil support and we got the original version of the cursor support. Um, And that doesn't seem to have transferred exactly the same way to the Mac. But I think when you look at how they're letting you use the iPad to do markup for text on the Mac, uh, because, you know, yes, use your pencil, yeah. but use it on an iPad, and then we'll move it over to the Mac for you because that's more ergonomic. So it's almost like yeah. their purpose, their purpose they're, they're building their devices to work in the context they're meant to work in. Yeah, totally. I, I totally agree with that. So is there a context for a pencil on the Mac? Yeah, probably. I mean, and I think all the effort they've put into Sidecar, is that what it's called? I even yeah. forget what it's called yeah. now. Um. They're obviously thinking about it, and they certainly know. I mean, that's one thing, too, is that they've 
definitely uh, renewed their appreciation for the creative professional market. And they know creative pros in varying creative industries have long been using styluses with things like Cintiqs and stuff like that, whether you're doing illustration work or just, you know, video professionals use it, you know, for doing special effects and and stuff like that. So they're, they're keen for years in design, right? They're keenly aware that there are people who use that as an input method. Um, And is there a better way to integrate it with the Mac? I think definitely, right. There's gotta be something better than sidecar. Sidecar is cool, but it's, you know, it could be improved. I think I fall somewhere between Gandalf where like, I'm going to expect them when I see them. And John Syracuse, when he says, you know, in a thousand years, they'll be here. So the question is, will they be here in 500 years or 250 right. years or 125 years? Like when is, when is that uh, crossover into the inevitable? And that's sort of how I feel about right. it. Is that one day computers yeah, will know. just be evolved enough that it won't be a question. I just have no idea when that day will be. Right, right. Or when... Like the dream computer that people have had for so long would be just sort of a, a, a g- generic display that is touch sensitive and sure, it's silas sensitive and it can just run whatever software you want. And it could be a Mac, it could be an iPad. You just connect it up and it would be like a peripheral to your computer in the cloud. And then you can just take it anywhere and none of your data has to be on it, you know. It's like the ultimate thin client. Everything Tony Tony Stark has had in every Marvel movie. Right, right, exactly. Just give that to us now. (laughs) As always, you can find the full extended version of this video up on Nebula. That's the streaming platform I'm building along with my education-y creator friends like Legal Eagle, Sarah Z, Ali Abdal, Thomas Frank, Braincraft, Polymatter, and so many more. It's a place where I can put up extended and bonus content without having to worry about demonetization or the tyranny of click-through rates or watch time or the algorithm or even ads, you can find all of my videos there completely ad-free, including Apple Talk, the new weekly podcast I'm doing with Georgia Dow, which has a bonus topic every week only available on Nebula. So what does any of this have to do with CuriosityStream? Well, as the go-to source for the best documentaries on the internet, They just love educational content and educational creators. And we worked out a deal where if you sign up for CuriosityStream with the link in the description, not only do you get CuriosityStream, but you also get a Nebula subscription for free. And for a limited time, CuriosityStream is offering 26% off. And 26% off is, by contract, the best deal you'll find anywhere. So click on the link in the description and get the best deal on CuriosityStream and Nebula for free. Or you can go to curiositystream.com slash Rene Ritchie. It's a great way to support this channel and educational content directly. Just click on the link in the description or go to curiositystream.com slash Rene Ritchie. And clicking on that link really helps out the channel. For a ton more on the Mac, click on the playlist above. I'm doing in-depth analysis, reviews, and just a lot more to come. So click on the playlist above and I'll see you next video.